Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today with Craig Mish and Frank Stamfel. We got a lot to get to, including the big trade in Major League Baseball last night, how that will affect everyone in both fantasy and reality and also in fantasy baseball. Find out who gets Frank's stamp of approval. Fantasy Sports Today, Hour 2, starts now. It's Fantasy Sports Today. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today, noon on the East, 9 on the West. It is great to be with you here on Fantasy Sports Today. It is February 5th, 2020. This is the second hour of our two-hour show. Frank and Craig every day for two hours talking fantasy baseball with you. And uh, pretty soon we'll be on the uh, television video side of things once we get things uh, sorted out a little bit more. Frank is in New Jersey. Craig is in Florida. And, of course, Chris Bavona is in the Sports Grid studios he is producing. We have Dan Strafford coming your way with a Sports Grid update in just a couple of minutes. And, uh, Frank, we're kind of resetting the show here a little bit. Of course, everyone knows the big trade last night. Mookie Betts, former MVP, overall top number one or top number two pick a couple of years ago in fantasy baseball, uh, now is in the top ten for sure in every fantasy league. Some people feel five. Some people feel seven, eight, just depending on where you like him, no doubt. He goes to L.A., the Red Sox will have a new outfielder in Alex Verdugo. Sounds like Frank is pretty bullish on the idea of him playing every day. I'm not so sure, so we can dive into that a little bit more. Also, some effects from that. Jock Peterson is going to go to the Angels. There is a report from Bob Nightingale uh, that says that Ross Stripling potentially could be going to the Dodgers, Frank. So a lot to get to here in the second hour of the show, specifically on this trade. Yeah, absolutely. And we spoke a lot about Mookie Betts in the first hour and how his fancy impact was uh, changed with this trade. Uh, But yeah, we got to get into some of these other players as well coming up here in the second hour, Craig. All right, let's hit Dan Strafford. He's got a sports update on this trade. Also some news on Pete Rose and the NBA as Dan takes it away to give you the latest as to what is happening in the world of fantasy sports. Sports Grid News Update. Well, Craig, as you and Frank have been discussing the big news from last night, Bob Nightingale, as you just pointed out, Craig, of USA Today is reporting an update to that Jock Peterson trade. It was reported last night that Peterson was on his way to the Angels. Luis Rangifo coming back. Well, it looks like Ross Stripling may be part of that trade, waiting for some confirmation therein. Peterson is on the move because of the huge three-team trade with Mookie Betts on his way to the Dodgers. The superstar outfielder is on his way to L.A. with starting pitcher David Price, formerly of the Red Sox as well. That trade was first reported by ESPN's Jeff Passan. The third-team in that deal, Minnesota Twins. They will be getting Kenta Maeda from the Dodgers. Boston will receive back young outfielder Alex Verdugo from L.A., as well as a young pitcher from the Twins. Pete Rose, via his attorney, has petitioned Major League Baseball's Commissioner Rob Manfred for reinstatement. He's basing his ask off of the recent leniency towards 
players in the Astros cheating scandal. If he was in fact reinstated, he would of course be eligible for the Hall of Fame. ESPN's Don Van Nata was the first to report that appeal. We got our first Woj bomb of the NBA trade season last night. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting first that the Houston Rockets had acquired Minnesota Timberwolves swingman Robert Covington and traded center Clint Capella to the Atlanta Hawks as part of a four-team, 12-player deal on Tuesday night. The NBA trade deadline is, of course, Thursday at 3 p.m. Kemba Walker has already been ruled out for tonight's Celtics Magic's game. Pardon me, Orlando Magic game. And two of the teams involved in that deal I just mentioned are in action tonight against one another. The T-Wolves are at home hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Currently, Minnesota is minus five favorite, and the over-under sits at 237.5. I'm Dan Straffer, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, thanks very much, Dan. And let's get back into the discussion of the show. We'll continue to uh, talk about this trade here, Frank. Uh, Jock Peterson is now going to go to the Angels. And I think that there's no question that he gets a little bit of a tick up in value. There is some question as to what happens with Adele, what happens with Upton. Um, Let's get into this a little bit deeper here. Uh, The Los Angeles Dodgers. It appears as though in both fantasy and reality, this is a team that's built for the World Series. There's a lot of really good things to like here. I, I mean, honestly, I'm a huge prospect guy. I understand the business of baseball, Frank, and I get building for the future. I just don't love the return for Boston in this with Mookie Betts involved in this deal. I just, I, I gotta say, I don't love it. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's hard to blame you too. And we're hearing reports, uh, sources uh, that are saying uh, other front office execs in the MLB are saying that this was a light return for uh, Mookie Betts and David Price. And it's, Reds, the Red Sox still had to eat. of David Price's salary. So, okay, they don't have to pay the rest of his salary, but they still had to eat 50% of it. You're telling me again, someone who just won the MVP two years ago in Mookie Betts, one of the five best players in baseball right now, uh, and of course, whoever trades for him is likely going to have to pay him a large sum of money if they want to re-sign him. Uh, But again, you're giving up a top five player in baseball right now. And it's not just because it's a Red Sox thing. Yes, I'm a Yankees fan. Look, if the Yankees did this with Aaron Judge, too, we brought this up the other day, Craig, I would kill them for it, too. Because, again, like when you're a major market like that, it's hard to justify uh, wanting to get below the luxury tax and not competing. And with making a move like this, while they're going to try and sell like, oh, yeah, we're still a really good team, let's be honest. They're not competing this season now that they trade away Mookie Betts and David Price. Maybe they reset it this year and then they come back again uh, in 2021. Uh, But ultimately, that's what they're saying is – we're waving the white flag on 2020, which is just crazy to imagine if you're a Boston Red Sox fan. Yeah, and, and I, I just can't. Like, it, it's really hard for me to grasp this because, you know, we, you know, Frank, you're a huge baseball fan. I'm a huge baseball fan. I think it's better for the game. And forget about fantasy for a minute. It's just better when these rivalries are good in baseball, when they're good in football, when they're good in basketball. And essentially, you are, I think, look, maybe I'm overstating it. And maybe we're a little bit too uh, bearish on on the Red Sox. Look, their Vegas win total is moving down. It was 86. It's now 84. They're essentially being called a team that's maybe above 500. They have massive questions in their rotation. They now have massive questions in their outfield. Can you say that Ben is going to be what he was two years ago? Can you say that? 
you know, Bradley takes the next step, that step that we've been waiting for? Do we know who the bleep is going to be in right field full time for them? You basically have a sure thing uh, in Devers, a sure thing in Bogarts, and a stud, an MVP to me, in J.D. Martinez. I mean, that's enough to get you to 500, but you're the Red Sox, man. Like, you are one of the top five franchises in Major League Baseball, if not a top three franchise. So uh, the reporting is interesting. I'll say that also. And I understand that when you're getting GM speak and you're getting front office speak, Frank, the way that this is going to sound is, oh, now we you know have the ability to go out and get some guys when we need to in the future. But, Frank, I, I would tell you this. This feels like to me, and it's probably not the case because no team would ever admit this, it feels like to me the front office of the Red Sox is, is looking at the Yankees and going, you know what, we have no shot. And that is just a sad state of affairs to think that because you should never think that way. It's baseball. Anything can happen. And I, it, it just it hurts a little bit. I, I thought Mookie Betts could be a Red Sox for life. And now, I mean, what kind of odds would you put on him returning to Boston next year, Frank? They'd have to be very low for me. Negative. Uh, can we give out a negative percentage of Mookie Betts returning to the Boston Red Sox uh, next year? That's where I would set it right now. I just I don't think there's any chance that that happens. It already seems like there was a divide between him and the organization here, uh, between what they were offering and what he was asking for. And we spoke about that the other day as well. The players have a right to ask for this much money, not just for themselves, but for resetting the market for future players, future MVP type players that you know want to get paid this massive contract. So I can never. Play, uh, blame a player for wanting to make as much money as they possibly can. You know, Craig, I wanted to ask you, because obviously you've been uh, inside of clubhouses and around players. You know, what kind of effect is this going to have on players inside the organization? Because I already saw J.D. Martinez tweet out last night. You know, he had the emojis going. He's not happy about this. Like, if you're a Red Sox player... What kind of message does this send them, right? Like if the organization is just waving the white flag, like you said, and it basically says, look, we can't compete with the Yankees, even the Tampa Bay Rays, who, come on, man, really? You can't compete with the Tampa Bay Rays, who have a, a payroll, what, a quarter of the Red Sox, less than that? So, I mean, what kind of message does this send the players? It's just crazy. Yeah, it, it, yeah by the way, really uh, strong strong endorsement of the way the Rays do business, I would say, based on the Red Sox doing this, too. I mean, look what's happened in the last 24 hours. One of the Rays executives took the general manager job with the with the Astros, and the Red Sox are, are I don't want to say tearing it down, but they're taking a back seat. I think that's the best way to say they're taking a step back. Um, you know what, Frank? Part of this, and it is, it'll escape my mind a little bit, part of this maybe is also the fact that, look, you know, you're going through this scandal with the with the Red Sox, Maybe there's some more to this that we don't know. Maybe there's more to this Alex Cora story as the manager that we don't know. They haven't announced any suspensions or fines yet with them. Maybe there's more to come. But to me, uh, any way you slice it, I think that inside the clubhouse, it's the kind of thing you're going to feel it, Frank, in that first week. Pitchers and catchers, you're going to feel it when they have their first workouts. And then you know what? Games are going to be played. And it certainly does appear that on paper – the Red Sox are going into the season as a team a little bit better than 500 or a little bit worse than 500. And I don't think it's going to be any different than that. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today as we unpack the trade from last night. 
And we have Frank's stamp of approval in fantasy. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today. Straight ball, I get it very much. Curveball, that's our friend. That's Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. You got to take a few. That's I offer a cigar, bro. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports. Today, it is Craig Mish along with Frank Stample here on the show, and we're very excited to have Frank on board for this fantasy baseball season. And if you've listened to me before on uh, satellite radio for the last decade of doing shows, and even when I came over to Sports Grid last June, you guys know that I like to have a little fun with this. And the other thing that I like to do is I like to uh, throw my co-host into the fire a little bit and see uh, if we can bring a little bit more out of the co-host here. And so in this particular case, I am very excited to be working with Frank and his knowledge and experience of playing fantasy baseball and covering the game is going to uh, is doing to make this show great in 2020. But the only way that we can make this show great again, as somebody once said, is by getting a stamp of approval in fantasy baseball. And so, therefore, this segment is called Frank's Stamp of Approval. Hey, how are my approval ratings? His approval rating, the highest of his career. Record disapproval from voters. Approval ratings at its peak. This is what gets Frank's Stamp of Approval. All right, it's time, folks. The uh, elections are coming up soon. I know everybody has their opinions on that. I don't do any politics in my sports. None. Zero. Zip. Zero. Zip. Won't do it. Don't do it. I don't want to make half of the country angry. Not going to do that. But what I will do is maybe get you fired up about a little fantasy talk. So here's what we're going to do here in this segment. It's Frank Stample's stamp of approval. He's got players that he's in on in 2020. And let's go ahead and get the ball rolling here with his first player. Your first player, Frank, in all of 2020 that gets your stamp of approval. Who is it and why? Let's start things off with Javier Baez. I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the labor draft that Javier Baez, to me, is one of the best values in drafts right now. Going in that third round range around pick 41, according to the NFBC ADP, this is someone that was being drafted as a borderline first round player last year. Over the past five seasons, he gives you between 273 and a 290 batting average. So extremely consistent. He's not going to hurt you there. Don't worry about the strikeouts. Again, someone who can contribute in all five categories. Last year, even in a shortened season, 138 games, 29 home runs, 89 runs scored, 85 ribbies, and 11 stolen bases as well, all while hitting 281. You're trying to find that player in the third round that can return first round value. Just look to Javier Baez's 2018 when he stood healthy, right? This is the, this is what we were drafting him for a near first round pick last year where he had 34 home runs up over 100 runs and up over 100 RBI, 21 stolen bases again. I think he's safe for 30-plus homers. He's going to give you the runs. He's going to give you the RBIs. The Cubs lineup is still one of the better ones in baseball right now. He's not a batting average liability as well. And that is why Javier Baez gets my stamp of approval in 2020. 
All right, there you go. We're off and running. Stamp of approval. Even Bavona's got some effects here going. How about this segment? Boy, the production value is through the roof. This is the one we nominate for the award at the end of the year, Frank. Okay, so Javier Baez is the first one. I will say this and add to it. Uh, Baez moving down way too low in ADP, way too low. Don't get it, don't understand it. And the Cubs, I mean, they're bringing everybody back. I mean, this is not a Red Sox situation, at least not yet. It's not a Red Sox situation. So uh, agree with that on uh, Baez. Let's move over to Frank's stamp of approval on a starting pitcher. Frank, who do you have? We're going to go with Charlie Morton, who's currently going off the board around pick 61 in NFBC ADP. The only reason you're getting Charlie Morton at a discount this year is because he is in his age 36 season. Guys, we have to learn to stop being ageist when it comes to fantasy sports. You look at what Charlie Morton did last year. He finished as the SP7 overall in both head-to-head points leagues and in roto leagues. He was even better in 2019 with the Rays than when he was with the Houston Astros last season, a 3.05 ERA. 3.28 3.28 xFIP, a 108 whip, over 11 Ks per nine. The walks per nine, 2.64. That was a three-year best for Charlie Morton. 48% ground ball rate. The guy gives you elite strikeouts. He gives you ground balls. The command is starting to get better. The underlying skills all improved. We're talking about a 13% swinging strike rate, a near 63% first pitch strike percentage, and he's getting opposing batters to chase pitches outside of the zone at 33.5% of the time. That is a 4.7% increase from 2018 when he was with the Houston Astros. He already proved he can pitch in the AL East with all these other Goliath lineups as well through 194.2 innings pitched last year. That was the most of his career. Uh, His curveball, one of the best in baseball, according to Fangraph's pitch values. Uh, It was the best curveball among starting pitchers last season. The only reason, again, that you're getting Charlie Morton at this discount is because he is 36 years old. Give me all of the Charlie Morton this season. He has my stamp of approval. All right, Charlie Morton, one of my uh, one of my old buddies here. So happy to see Charlie Morton turn it around. You know, Frank, that was, that was you know, one of my big gets two years ago in fantasy was Charlie Morton, and the guy ended up uh, carrying the Astros in the World Series. I- I'm lukewarm on this one. You know, Morton has had his injury issues. He didn't have any last year in Tampa. This is the last year he's playing Major League Baseball, by the way. He's going to retire at the end of the year. Um, I love the value back when he was ADP 80, 90, 100. Boy, he is being taken at SP2 in almost every fantasy league. Uh, I don't have pause for it. As long as he's healthy, he's going to deliver those numbers. But a thought well executed, I think, by you on Charlie Morton. Let's move over to Frank's stamp of approval. Player number three. All right, so I already gave you two players going early on in drafts, Craig. So I wanted to give you two players going later on in drafts here as well. And I'm looking at Mitch Keller of the Pittsburgh Pirates going around pick 231 right now in NFBC ADP. This is exactly what you want in a late-round pitcher. It's someone who has upside, struggled in his first year when he got called up to the majors, only 48 innings pitched last year, a 7.13 ERA, a 1.83 whip. I cannot defend those numbers. They were god-awful. But let's dig a little bit deeper here. A 3.47 XFIP, a 3.78 Sierra. So he obviously did suffer from uh, some bad luck last year. His left on base rate was under 60%. League average is 75%. Uh, You look at the Babbitt. 
was 475. Again, league average BABIP is right around 300. So uh, he suffered some, from some bad luck. And this is what you want to find. You want to find pitchers who have pedigree. You know that they have talent who maybe struggled in their first season, and you're getting them at a bit of a discount. It reminds me of someone a couple of years ago, not to the same extent, but Blake Snell. It reminds me of how when he came up, he wasn't great, and then eventually he put it all together. I'm not saying that Mitch Keller is going to be able to do that this season, but if you look at where he's going around that group of starting pitchers, I think that he has tremendous upside. I think that he's going to be in the Pirates uh, rotation from day one. I think he'll probably pitch anywhere from 150 to 160 innings this year. I think the strikeouts are phenomenal. He was up over 12 Ks per nine last year, so you don't have to worry about that either. Uh, I do want to see some improved command when it comes to Mitch Keller here, uh, but to me, this is just the perfect buying opportunity uh, on someone who struggled in his first stint in the majors. Mitch Keller, you have my stamp of approval. You got to hold me on this one, Frank. Hold me tight. Oh, man. I uh, I had Mitch Keller last year in fantasy and um, drafted him in the NL only, auctioned him. I think I had him for a buck, and he just annihilated me, man. Um, I got to tell you, I like the skill set of Keller. He's been their top pitching prospect. Uh, Pirates are going to be bad. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out on Mitch Keller, man. I just, I don't know. I you mean, got burned I, once, I, you're out? Come on, man. Got to go back to the know. well. I don't know. I think I'm out. I didn't like what I saw. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there was banging to the drum. This dude was getting pummeled in the first and second inning of almost every game. It was almost if he wasn't ready. It was uh, it was rough. It was rough for me. I think I'm out. All right, your last one, Frank. Yeah, we're going to go with Austin Hayes going around pick 260 in NFBC ADP right now. Again, I gave you two earlier that were going uh, early in drafts. Now I want to give you two later on in drafts. And Austin Hayes, someone to me that's going to have everyday playing time with the Baltimore Orioles. Small sample last year, played 21 games in the majors, but hit 309, had a 947 OPS. Uh, hits the ball extremely hard as well, puts the ball in the air. He's going to have the opportunity to play every day. It reminds me a little bit of someone who broke out last year for the Baltimore Orioles was... Boom, boom, Mancini, Trey Mancini. And we're seeing him uh, being drafted inside the top 10 rounds this season uh, in drafts. So I think that uh, with the everyday playing time, he's got a good ballpark there to hit in with the Baltimore Orioles as well. Uh, someone who doesn't, doesn't have massive prospect pedigree, but he has produced in the minors. Uh, he's put up some big batting average seasons, and I think that the power is going to come along as well, hitting in that ballpark in Camden. Uh, again, they don't have much talent, so I think he's going to have the opportunity to play every single day. Uh, and that's what I'm looking for when it comes to someone going outside the top 250. Someone that has an opportunity to play, someone that I believe has some talent, uh, and the underlying numbers support that as well. And I think all of those things uh, are true of Austin Hayes here in the 2020 season. Uh, so he is a hitter that I'm looking at targeting late in drafts. Austin Hayes, you have my stamp of approval. Yeah, this is one that I can agree to. Um, you have my endorsement here. I don't know that it matters, Frank, because, um, you know, we're not going to be <laughs> in and out on every single player, that's for sure. But, look, the Orioles, I, I think the Orioles have some nice opportunities on this team. I don't think Hayes is last year's Mullins, who was a disaster. Uh, I mean, look, he didn't get to play a lot. You don't know what September ball. You don't know if it's going to play. But, man, when you get on base at a 37% clip, even if it's September, I think that there's some promise there. And although the Orioles aren't built to win right now, they're going to have some fantasy gems. Santander was a fantasy gem for a time. Renato Nunez was a fantasy gem for a time. 
Don't know that I want to be in on their pitchers, but definitely will dive in on their hitters. And that is Frank's stamp of approval on this February 5th, 2020. We'll be back with a lot more here on Fantasy Sports Today. We've got some late round picks in the labor draft that we like. Also got some bad picks in the labor draft, too. We'll get to those next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish, Frank Stample with you, and we got you for the next 30 minutes until 1 o'clock on the East. Full-time fantasy takes over. Make sure you head on over to Sports Grid and Zumo TV, Pluto TV. Uh, catch Pharrell later today. Catch the Fantasy BFFs with Frank and Greg. Frank, uh, what do you have on the schedule on the BFF show today? You want to uh, give a little preview to the millions and millions of fans at home watching, listening? Absolutely. We, uh, we're going to do a State of the Union starting Starting pitcher edition, uh, we're also going to have pit, uh, pitcher list Nick Pollock join us to do that as well. So we'll have him on Skype. Uh, we're going to do a whole uh, State of the Union when it comes to starting pitching. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Nick Pollock's top 20 starting pitchers for this upcoming season. We're basically going to dissect them, tell them what we like, tell them what we hate, and hopefully we'll, we'll have some answers for some starting pitchers being drafted early this season. Okay, so that's on the Fantasy BFFs later today. Frank Stanfield, Greg Sussman. As we mentioned, for those of you who are listening to the show on the audio side, we are planning to move over to the video side of things. So hopefully you guys will be patient with that. My guess is we're looking at some time next week, hopefully, for that. So that will be you know, certainly new for me. I've done TV and radio for a long time, but uh, never a fantasy TV show. So this will be new for me as well. Looking forward to that. So, uh, Okay, so in our final 30 minutes of this show, we're going to dive back into the League of Alternative Baseball Reality Draft. By the way, I will be in uh, Clearwater for the Mixed League Auction, which is on March the 1st, 2020. So I will be representing our show. I will be representing Sports Grid. I will be representing FNTSY Radio. And hopefully you guys can tune in to, uh, to that. I think that weekend we'll be doing some broadcasting. I'm not 100% sure. Frank, maybe we could get you down to Florida for that. Any interest in that? Uh, yeah, I'll just take my normal route that I do here in New Jersey. I'll take, you know, eight buses. I'll take three trains, maybe <laughs> hop on a plane as well. And before you know it, I'll be in Florida. All right, so there you go. We'll send we'll send a, a tra- you know a long train there for you. I think it's only a couple hundred bucks on the train. It'll take you like ten days, but you'll get here eventually. All right. Um, okay, so uh, let me let's do this. Why don't Frank? Let's start off. I have some opinion, really strong opinions on this too. So I don't want to get lost in the shuffle here. You just you know, we just elected you to the the fantasy football fantasy uh, baseball Hall of Fame here for that last segment for your stamp of approval. But give me some uh, late round picks that you saw in the labor draft, and then I will give you mine. Uh, you have four, I have four. Well, let's, let's go one at a time. You go one, then I'll go one. 
All right, so I'm looking at Mark Canna, who Fred Zinke ended up picking up uh, round 20 there. And Mark Canna, to me, is someone who's going to play every day for the Oakland A's. He's kind of been looked at as a journeyman, maybe a platoon bat, someone who mashes against lefties. You look at what he did last year. He actually had an 800 OPS against lefties. He had a 966 OPS against right-handed pitching. Uh, so proved that he can handle himself from that side of the pl- uh, against that side pitching as well. Um, and I, I just I look at opportunity here. 273 batting average, 26 home runs. Uh, at that point in the draft, round 20, uh, I think that that's a great buy. So uh, I'm going to give you a few Fred Zinke picks here. But Mark Hanna is someone that I am looking at this season as, as a late-round pick that has an opportunity to play every day here, Craig. Yeah, at this point, you'd have to say so. Well, you talk about a late bloomer. You know, Canha, I feel like a couple of years ago, Frank, I don't know. I want to check this out here and see exactly when this was. I don't want to talk out of school. But uh, Canha, a few years ago, I think got off to a great start, if I'm not mistaken. And there were there were so many high hopes for this guy because remember he's a super late bloomer. Wow, four and a half war last year. Okay, so Canha, 2015, 2015, got off to a tremendous April with the A's. He ended up with a 315 OBP, 16 homers, 70 RBIs, a zero in 2017, a zero in 2016, and then all of a sudden. It's it started to click for him a little bit in eighteen, and then yeah, you're right. Last year, twenty six home runs, a four hundred OBP. He's the exact kind of player that Oakland likes a lot. Uh, I got to tell you, in an OBP league, this guy is an absolute monster. So uh, I am on board with that. Uh, okay, my first late rounder that I'm interested in, and you know, again, I'm not going to be targeting him in a draft, but I think that there's some value here. Is Jonathan Scope? Now, every year, Jonathan Scope is one of those afterthought-type players. He's not one of the top second basemen in fantasy. He came off a great 2017 and was a pretty big disappointment in 2018. But he is 20 home runs and 50 runs driven in every year. Now, is that great in the world of fantasy? No, a lot of guys are hitting 20 home runs and 50 RBIs. But I will say this, Frank. I don't think enough people have done deep dives into the second base position in fantasy this year. It is not nearly as thin as in years past. And so I think that there is a chance, and I think that there's an opportunity for this guy to hit 20 home runs. You're talking about getting that in the 19th round of the draft, and you're still staring at who am I going to play at second base? Let me give you some other guys who were, by the way, taken around this area. Nico Goodrum, Nick Solak, the rookie on Texas, Cesar Hernandez, Starling Castro, D. Gordon, Nick Magical. I think Scope's better than all those guys. I like that pick in the 19th. Yeah, I like that pick as well. Someone that's going to play every day for the Detroit Tigers. Kind of one of those signings that we spoke about uh, with the Giants earlier too, right? Where they kind of just pick him up and then maybe around the trade deadline they try and flip him somewhere. I think someone kind of similar to that is C.J. Crone, who's probably going to start for the Detroit Tigers as well. So they pick up a few veteran pieces there that are probably going to play every single day. You're right. It's not sexy production, but if you can get 20 to 25 home runs from your middle infield position out of Jonathan Scope, I'm with you. I think that it's a really good value going that late in draft. Someone who just a couple of years ago was being drafted as what? A fifth, sixth round pick? I'm with you. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, who's your second? 
Yeah, I'm looking at Travis Shaw. You know, it, it's kind of not dissimilar from uh, Jonathan Scope, someone who just a couple of years ago put together two back-to-back seasons of 30 home runs, completely bottomed out last year with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, and he does have struggles against left-handed pitching, so you might be looking at a platoon there. But he's going to play on the strong side of a platoon against righties. He's in a good ballpark in Toronto now. I think he's going to, you know, play – you know, if they have six, seven games out of the week, he'll probably play five, six times there. I still think that there's some power upside. It's a pretty good Toronto Blue Jays lineup. Everyone's excited about Lourdes Gurriel and, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but why can't we be excited about Travis Shaw? And you're getting him in round 22 right now. This is someone like Scope who was going in, you know, the, the sixth, seventh round last year, two years ago as well. So I'm um, looking at a buying opportunity for Travis Shaw going late in drafts here, Craig. Okay, so here, here's what I have to say about that. Uh, I don't think that you're wrong, but I think that the statements that you're making are wrong, and I'm going to explain to you why, Frank. I don't think that anybody knows what Travis Shaw is going to be. Last year was such a massive disappointment and a massive drop-off from where he was two years ago that I don't think that you can state that it's a good pick because I don't think that you know. I don't think anybody knows. Now, if you're willing to throw a dart and take a flyer on a player, I think that's a little bit of a different story. But can you say that with, with some sort of certainty that Travis Shaw is going to hit 20 home runs and drive in 60 and hit 270 with a 320? I don't think you can. It's a very similar situation with Aguilar on Miami. I don't know what happened with both those guys on the Brewers last year. So it's not that I'm disagreeing with you in the sentiment that if you take Shaw at the end of a draft, he may be good. But, Frank, I don't know how you can honestly say that. I don't. I mean, maybe maybe there's something that you know that I don't know, but I got no clue on this guy. I don't know where he's headed. No, I think that's fair to say. That's definitely fair. You, you can't say with confidence what he is going to do. Uh, but, look, in the round 22 range, there's no risk, right? So there's only upside there. If he, you know, bounces back to 75% of the player that he was and ends up hitting, you know, 240 with 25 home runs, I mean, there's nothing but upside there at that point in the round 22 range. But the floor is is very obvious as well. Like, it's it's low. It's a very low floor. So I hear what you're saying there. You can't say it with confidence, but uh, based on where you're getting him, to me, there's nothing but upside at that point. Yeah, well, I mean, you, we are diving in there, but it's interesting. You have a couple of other guys on the list that, um, you know, may potentially give you a, a, a higher floor, I think. I, that's certainly possible. Um, I'll go Mike Talkman in the 21st round to Paul Spohr. Uh Had a chance to watch a lot of these. I mean, he's not kids, but a lot of these guys who filled in with all the injuries that the Yankees had last year. And, and he is the uh, – Talkman is the perfect kind of player in a deeper mixed league that if you are an active fantasy player, and and Paul is, and you're going to be willing to move your guys in and out of lineups and weekly and daily, he's the perfect guy for you because you know those splits are going to be fantastic for Talkman. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. He's going to get on base, and I, I think he's absolutely going to mash against right-handed pitching. I don't want to touch him against lefties, Frank. I want him out of my lineup. I don't want him in. But when he's facing a righty, I want him in my lineup. So 21st round for him. As long as you're an active owner, I like the pick. 
Yeah, and there's upside for Talkman as well. You know, if something were to happen to Giancarlo Stanton, who played, what, 18 games last year? He's certainly not the model of health. Aaron Judge has been hurt the past couple of seasons. Brett Gardner is up there in age. They're still waiting for Aaron Hicks to return. So, look, it happened last year where all these guys were banged up. And before you know it, Mike Talkman's getting every day at bats in one of the best ballparks, in one of the best lineups in baseball. So, uh, yes, you need to be active and, and kind of pick and choose your spots when you want to play him early on in the season. But there's also ups side where if one of those players gets hurt, uh, we're talking about Talkman playing every single day in Yankee Stadium, which is obviously just a phenomenal spot to be in there, Craig. Yep, no doubt about that. All right, so uh, on the on the late round picks, the best of what we got here so far, and we'll continue this conversation next. Uh, Mark Canha, 20th round to uh, Fred Zinke. Uh, Frank also likes Travis Shaw. 22nd round to Fred uh, Zinke. Uh, full transparency, I had Shaw everywhere last year, so maybe it's just being bitter. And I had Jonathan Scope 19th round uh, to Baseball HQ and Mike Talkman 21st round to Paul Spore. So what we'll do is coming up next, we'll continue this conversation. We still have a couple of more players that we'd like to get to from this draft last night. And then uh, maybe some worst picks in the draft? I don't know. Yeah, why not? Why don't we touch on everything here? You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, along with Frank Stample, our producer is Chris Pavona. And when we come back, more of the League of Alternative Baseball Reality Draft. And feel free to shoot us any messages you want at FNTSY Radio. Questions, comments, anything you want to hear on the show, let us know. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Frank Stanfill here on the show. Frank and I are midway through our first week hosting together. we still got a couple of more days to go, and then spring training starts next week, so I'll be out on the road. Frank will be here every day if I am not here or here temporarily. Frank will carry this bad boy all the way through uh, all of spring training. And then, of course, once April starts, it is, uh, it is, it is much easier to, to navigate uh, on a show. When your show is not at the exact time that all the players are doing interviews before a game, that kind of uh, that dives into it a little bit. So uh, continuing uh, the conversation that we had, and then we're going to get over to Frank's NFBC draft. He right now is about five or six picks in. Uh, let's cap off a couple of more of the picks that you liked in last night's draft there, Frank. Who, who's, uh, who's your next one? I'm going to bring up a friend of the show, host on the network, host of Diamond Bets on the weekend, uh, Joe Pizzapia, around 24. He ends up snagging Austin Riley. Now, currently, Roster Resource has uh, Johan Camargo penciled in as the starting third baseman for the Atlanta Braves, and there's been talk about the Braves making a trade for a third baseman, but... If they give Austin Riley the opportunity, we saw last year, yes, he was overwhelmed. He, he came up and he took the league by storm and then obviously was overwhelmed and started striking out a lot of 36% strikeout rate. That's not going to get it done. But, Craig, when he makes contact, it is really, really good contact. 42.5% hard contact rate, uh, 49% fly ball rate. He puts the ball in the air. It's a great lineup to hit in. And, look, a year ago, we were all excited about Austin Riley when he was coming up, and now he's going in the 24th round, and he might have a, a clear path to everyday playing time. 
I, I like what I've seen. He obviously has to cut down the strikeouts, uh, but you know he didn't strike out nearly as much in the minors as he did last year in the majors. So if he makes that adjustment, uh, puts the ball in play more, then I, I can see obviously that batting average on the rise. Austin Riley is someone that I would be targeting late in drafts as well. Yeah, I, I think this uh, pick to Joe makes a lot more sense than the one of Travis Shaw. And although Travis Shaw may end up being the better player, I think you know what the floor is at this point for Austin Riley. I mean, uh, I mean, who else is playing third base for the Atlanta Braves? I mean, look, their fallback option is Camargo, and Camargo struggled last year after having the good year two years ago. But, uh, yeah, this is a pick that I can completely endorse. I don't think there's any risk, and this is very late in a draft, too. I suppose, look, the strikeout rate is just scaring people off, and I get it, but I am particularly intrigued by this pick, I think, uh, more than some of the others. All right, um, I'm going to go over to one of Rudy's picks for this one. And I want your thoughts on this pitcher because I think I'm going to have some of him in fantasy baseball in 2020. And that is Garrett Richards. Now, you may be saying to yourself, is that the same Garrett Richards that used to pitch on the Angels? Well, guess what? He's on the Padres now. He had a serious injury. He had Tommy John surgery. He missed a full year. And when he made his appearances for the Padres last year, they weren't very good. But I would tell you this, and it's a very big if. 25 starts, if you can get them. And that's probably asking a lot, Frank. I get it. But 25 starts of Garrett Richards is going to look really good in a Padres uniform if he can get it. I think that this is a fantastic flyer at the end of a draft. They're not asking Garrett Richards to be the ace. That's Paddock. They're not asking Garrett Richards to be the number two starter. That's probably Denelson Lamette. I mean, San Diego has some good middle relief options, too. They have Pomerantz, and they have other pitchers like Kirby Yates who could close out games. If you can get five innings from Pomerantz, even at 140 innings this season, I think there's a good chance for him to succeed. So in the 27th round, I think there's a chance that he's in your starting rotation the whole year in fantasy. But again, stranger things have happened. Um, how do you feel about that? Like last round pick, a dart throw. Yeah, I could get behind that for sure. I mean, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see the, the pitcher that he once was, you know, back in 2014, 2015. But again, you're not pitching him to do that. 27th round, at that point, you're looking for someone who has upside, and Garrett Richards has exactly that. The last time we saw him back in 2018, he had a 3.66 ERA, and the underlying numbers actually supported that 3.66 ERA. So, again, if he could just give you five innings per start, uh, if he can make, you know, 20 to 25 starts, uh, there's nothing but upside there when it comes to Garrett Richards. So uh, I'm with you. It, it seems like the Padres are always kind of, uh, uh, they, they piece together like these interesting rotations. And we've seen uh, pitchers uh, pitch well there, obviously, in the past. And this is just another example of that. So uh, could definitely get behind the Garrett Richards here. Uh, Garrett Richards pick here, Craig. Yeah, I made a mistake, by the way. I said 27th round. I meant uh, 20th round. Okay, uh, your, your last and final one, Frank, here on the uh, labor value draft. Yeah, I'm looking at Aaron Savali, who I think is going to have an opportunity to uh, pitch in the rotation for the Cleveland Indians. And last year, put up a 2-3-4 ERA in the majors, uh, just under 60 innings pitched. The underlying numbers were not great when it comes to Savali, but I, I'm one of these guys, Craig, that just really likes to draft uh, pitchers on the Cleveland Indians rotation because it seems like they just know how to figure these, out, these guys out. They know how to get the best out of them. Uh, and Savali is someone who has pitched well in the minor leagues as well. You know, 380 innings pitched in the minors 
Warriors with a 3-1-2 ERA and a 1-1-0 whip. Uh, I'm definitely intrigued by Svalle, uh, someone who pitched well last year in the majors, and I think he's going to have an opportunity to, to start the season in the rotation for the Indians, and obviously if he pitches well, he can remain there. Uh, he has to up the strikeouts and, and get more swinging strikes, obviously, uh, but, but I do like what I saw from him last year, and I just like taking flyers on Indians pitchers because it seems like they always get the best out of these guys, Craig. Yeah, it, that, you know, that is the underlying factor that you just said right there. Like, how do you not buy into what the Indians are doing right now? It's like everybody they call up ends up having some value. Have they had a bad starting pitcher in the last couple of years? Even Even Zach Plesak is interesting, right? Around 29. Round 29 last yeah. night. I mean, he's free, right? And everything the Cleveland Indians touch turns to gold. So uh, I'm, I'm interested true. in both of those guys. All right. Uh, my final one, I'll go back to the Padres. I'm going to Drew Pomerantz. He was unhittable in the second half of last year. Do you see how much this dude got paid? Like almost, I think he got like eight or nine million, maybe 10 million a year over a couple of years. Oh, this guy is going to be an absolute middle relief monster for the Padres. And they do have a, what we would call reliable closer in Kirby Yates. I get it. He's super reliable. He's what everyone in the industry calls an elite closer. And I call, by the way, Frank, none of them elite closers. They're all three saves away from three blown saves away from losing their job. I think Pomerantz is putting hater type numbers up this year. I think he found it last season at the end of the year in Milwaukee. And I think a big, big K per nine season is coming. Uh, Not as valuable, clearly, in a mixed league as he is in an NL only. But I am in on this guy. I want him late. And if something should happen to Yates, I think that Pomerantz is going to get saves too. So I really like this pick at the end of the draft. I think he's giving you like a half of a starter. 80 innings, 100 strikeouts, 5 wins, something like that. And we've seen those players have value, right? Even like the Adam Adovinos, if you can't piece together your rotation uh, week in and week out, especially in these 15-teamers or NL-only leagues, as you mentioned, you kind of piece it together with these uh, with these setup men, with these relievers that have elite strikeout potential. And Drew Pomerantz is one of those pitchers. So uh, you're right. Look, as long as the curveball is working, one of the nastiest curveballs in baseball, Drew Pomerantz is going to provide value this year. Okay, uh, worst picks in the draft, and by worst, meaning just picks that we don't like. No offense to anyone who is in the draft, but you're here to analyze a draft. That's what we are going to do. So uh, I uh, I will start off, and let me repeat myself. Uh, last week and the last week before when I was on with Joe, I uh, said the same thing, and I will say it again. You cannot be taking Yasil Puig high in a fantasy draft right now. It is a very big mistake. You're taking a huge risk. The guy does not want to sign with anyone. He's asking for too much money. The variance that I've given on Puig is he signs today or he sits out the year. It is that wild with Puig. You don't know. He beats to a different drum. He passed on an opportunity to play in South Florida. He's passed on opportunities to play in other places. Even with Marcelo Zuna turning down some limited multi-year deals, even he's signed already and pick the Atlanta Braves. I am very worried about Puig not playing this year. It could happen today. He could end up signing, and it could be fine. I am not taking this risk right now. He is one player that is not on a team that I am just going to be hard passing on until the later rounds of the draft. He could show up in May. He could show up in June. He could not play. He could start tomorrow. He's just a character, man. And and I could tell you that the money that he's asking for, he's not going to get if he thinks he's going to get it. 
he'll be sitting out the whole year. So I'll do Puig in the 10th round, Frank. Uh, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, you know, look, you're drafting someone who doesn't have a, a job right now, and obviously, you know, you've been uh, you've been close here on uh, on Puig, and yeah, obviously, the things that you've heard, and there's a chance that he doesn't play, right? I mean, this guy wants uh, a huge money contract, and I don't think anyone's going to be willing to uh, to invest that much money in Yasiel Puig right now. So I understand uh, the risk that's going there, and again, you're taking him over players that either a have more upside than him, just in a vacuum, or guys that have a job, right? So uh, it's hard to do that in the tenth round right now. Craig, I, I think this might be the first time, first time of many that I've, uh, I've I've messed up here on the show because you did write late round picks that you didn't like. Uh, and of course, that's when I put in a sixth round pick and an 11th round pick. So uh, feel we free to do roast the me on this. Uh, <laughs> we go with the 11th? All right, so I'll, I'll go with uh, Jake Odorizzi, who went in the 11th round here to Joe Sheehan. Joe Sheehan does a great job with his newsletter. Uh, it's more so the player, uh, the players that he drafted Jake Odorizzi over. Odorizzi did some nice things last year. He cannot pitch into the third time uh, going through a lineup, and, and the Twins figured that out last year. Uh, but there were also huge bumps in the road in the second half there for Jake Odorizzi. Uh, there's no chance that I'm taking Jake Odorizzi over somebody like Frankie Montas right now or a Matthew Boyd or even a Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, and those are all players that uh, Joe Sheehan took Jake Odorizzi over last night in the 11th round. I just can't get behind that personally, Craig. All right. Well, we are out of time here on the show. No time even for exit velocity today, but we'll try to do better tomorrow. Thanks again to Rudy Gamble for coming on the show. Thanks again to our producer, Chris Pavona. For my co-host, Frank Stanfield, I'm Craig Mish. That'll do it for today's show. Looking forward to speaking to you guys tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Talk to you on Thursday. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.